This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. You can power up your playtime with the Nintendo Switch system, the home of Mario and Friends. You may discover exciting surprises with Mario, Princess Peach, and more in Super Mario Bros. Wonder or challenge friends to a race in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. You can head to Nintendo.com to learn more about the Nintendo Switch system. Games and systems sold separately. Tonight, a triple weather threat, widespread misery from unbearable heat down in Louisiana, a tornado and dangerous storms on the East Coast, and out West, wind fuels the fire emergency. Breaking news, a tornado touches down in Maryland. Tonight, the damage as the threat from more twisters continues. Inside the disaster zone, we're in Grand Isle, Louisiana, where every building is damaged and the road to rebuild is uncertain. How bad is this? The worst. The worst. Worst than Katrina. Yes. On the front lines, the Calder fire explodes. The fight tonight to save thousands of homes near Lake Tahoe. How firefighters are using snow machines and high-tech military planes to control the blaze. Abortion showdown, the protests against a new Texas law considered one of the most restrictive in the country. Why it means someone could be sued for driving a woman to get an abortion. 32 count indictment, three officers and two paramedics face manslaughter charges in the death of Elijah McClain in Colorado. The 23 year old who was injected with a drug and put in a chokehold. $4.5 billion settlement. What victims of the opioid epidemic are saying after a judge approves the bankruptcy agreement of drug company Purdue Pharma. And stepping into history, 50 years ago today, baseball took a major step toward diversity. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with breaking news. Three days after Hurricane Ida devastated the Gulf Coast of Louisiana and Mississippi, remnants of the storm are still causing dangerous weather for millions. Tornadoes have been spotted in Maryland as the storm heads north. Flash flood watches are up through much of the northeast as the storm dumps buckets of rain. Some areas could get 10 inches. Well, tonight, the death toll from Ida is up to six. And the situation in Louisiana remains dire. Tonight, we're in Grand Isle, which took a direct hit from the Category 4 hurricane. Look at this. Every structure was damaged. We have more pictures ahead. And the lines for gasoline, well, they stretch block after block in the state. There's little clean drinking water, and the power is still out for nearly a million people, meaning there's no air conditioning as, as, and no relief, really, as these heat indexes top 100 degrees. So we're going to go to Louisiana in just a moment. But CBS's Errol Barnett is going to lead us off tonight in Annapolis, Maryland. Good evening, Errol. Good evening, Nora. We have a dangerous situation right now. This is as close as we can get because emergency crews are rushing to plug several gas leaks after one tornado that marched through this part of Annapolis knocked down power lines. You can see some of them still strewn across the street. All of this, just one outcome of a storm system still wreaking havoc. Holy crap. Ida still packing a punch, unleashing this tornado near Annapolis, Maryland. We moved away from the windows because all kinds of debris was crashing into, into the window. A nearby high school stadium was struck, power lines downed, and small businesses damaged. In western Pennsylvania, heavy rains led to flooded roads and forced these families to evacuate their homes. Just outside of Pittsburgh, 41 passengers rescued from this school bus by boat. In southern Virginia, severe flooding caused mudslides that destroyed 20 homes, prompting more than 50 emergency evacuations. Elsewhere in Maryland, heavy rains of up to three inches made driving dangerous, and rescue crews had to bail out a flooded apartment complex where personal belongings floated outside. Now, floods and tornadoes are just an impossible mix. For example, one resident showed me the emergency tornado alert he received, telling him to seek shelter in a basement, while those north of here facing flash flood warnings are being told to seek higher ground. Nora? Harold Barnett, thank you. And as Errol mentioned tonight, flood alerts stretch from Virginia all the way to Maine. Let's get the forecast now from CBS's Lonnie Quinn. It's difficult out there, Lonnie. Oh, you betcha. And I think a lot of people, since this wasn't, you know, said to be a hurricane or a tropical storm. I think a lot of people are being caught off guard by how strong this is. I mean, it's a remnant storm, but it is packing a punch. Take a look at the radar picture. Heaviest rain right now, that's just basically in portions of New Jersey and Pennsylvania as well. The amount of rain that we've seen uh, south of Harrisburg, you've picked up about eight inches of rain. This storm is going to continue to move now to the northeast. All the while, it's bringing that tornado threat. We heard from Errol in Maryland. That tornado threat will push through places like New Jersey as you go through the overnight hours, eventually pushing offshore by the time we get to tomorrow. But this is a lot of rain. Uh, you're looking at eight to ten inches of rain anywhere from... Uh, like Pittsburgh into portions of uh, you know, so southern New England or so. And then the other thing that we've got to discuss, Nora, is the rivers. Rivers will be cresting, but not today. There's a lag effect, so over the next couple of days, those will prove to be the flooding concern. That's the latest, Nora. It's all yours. All right, an important morning, Lonnie Quinn. Thank you. Let's go now to Louisiana because Grand Isle, south of New Orleans, had a population of 1,400 before Hurricane Ida hit. Well, tonight, it is uninhabitable. CBS's Omar Villafranca made it there. Good evening, Omar.
Good evening, Nora. Grand Isle is ground zero. This is the hardest hit area in Louisiana. It took us several hours just to get down here, and we passed by miles of downed power lines and washed out roads. And the people who live here, they haven't even been back to see what's left of their island. This is what it looked like when Hurricane Ida tore through Grand Isle, Louisiana on Sunday. This is what's left of Grand Isle today. Every building in the state's last inhabited barrier island is damaged. Almost half of the homes and businesses destroyed. Nearly all of the homes and businesses here in Grand Isle are built on stilts. They're designed to withstand the flooding of a hurricane, but they couldn't stand up to the winds of Hurricane Ida. It's the worst. The worst. Worse than Katrina. Yes. Yes. David Cammerdale has been mayor for nearly 25 years. We have no food. We have no water. We shut the gas off and we have no electricity. That frustration is being felt across the state. Three days after the Cat 4 hurricane knocked out major power transmission lines, barely a fraction of the million-plus customers in Louisiana who lost power have it back. Thousands in neighboring Mississippi also remain in the dark. And with the heat index expected to soar above 100 degrees for yet another day, places like New Orleans are melting. It's hurt. We be in burning up. We wake up in sweat. We go to bed in sweat. We, we, we don't have nothing. We homeless. We very homeless. We, we don't have nothing. We need help in New Orleans. Residents throughout the region are under boil water advisories. Thousands are holed up in air-conditioned shelters. But with the threat of COVID, there's no safety in numbers. It sucks right now because it's hot and tempers are fraying. This community rec center was a source of free ice, water, and meals for the desperate. So I'm pretty much going to stay here. More than half the service stations in New Orleans and Baton Rouge are out of fuel. Despite pleas from officials not to return home, some did anyway. Back in Grand Isle. I'm sorry. I mean, you got, you got time here. You got memories here. Yeah. Mayor Camerdale is heartbroken for what the town's 1,400 permanent residents will come home to. It's tough, but I'm going to get them home. I promise you that. As long as there's one grain of sand in Grand Isle, I'm going to plant the American flag. I can promise you that. Late this afternoon, the mayor finally got some good news. Help finally arrived. They brought communication towers and some generators, and they also came with some response teams from as far away as Nevada. Nora? Our hearts go out to the mayor and everybody there. Omar Villafranca, thank you so much. Let's head out west now near South Lake Tahoe, California. Fire crews are using bulldozers to build fire lines to protect the evacuated city from the wind-whipped Caldor fire. Now, calmer winds helped crews make progress, but the coming hours are critical. CBS's Carter Evans is there tonight. It's a desperate battle to save a national treasure. The massive Calder fire keeps advancing, threatening thousands of homes around Lake Tahoe. But firefighters caught a short break from the high winds. A lot of opportunity to make some progress last night. But what happens over the next few hours is critical. With 30-mile-an-hour wind gusts in the forecast, stray embers could cause big problems. You can see the flames just take off in this brush right here, but firefighters are letting it burn right now while the wind is calm to clear out some of this fuel. The fires burned for more than two weeks, exploding to over 200,000 acres. Fire Captain Mark Avalos has been battling it since day one. Just trying to keep up with the fatigue. Um, everybody's tired. Uh, I mean, with all the other fires going on in the state, everyone's just uh, exhausted. 
To save the Heavenly Valley Ski Resort, they're using giant snowmaking machines to fight the flames. Oh, it'll help a lot. It's getting, it's spreading water out. It's, it's increasing the humidity level. From low-tech to high-tech, military aircraft at 18,000 feet are sending infrared images to guide firefighters to hotspots that could ignite giant pine trees as high as a 16-story building. As more cabins and forests burn, wildlife is also threatened. There's just nowhere to go. Among the homes still in the fire's path, this one belonging to Battalion Chief Dave Lochner. It makes the fire personal. Um, it kind of gets away from me just being out doing my job to now it's affecting me directly. Uh, it's definitely a scary feeling. The wind could really kick these flames up again tonight. And with 4,000 firefighters on the line, the flames aren't the only danger. An entire strike team is now sidelined in quarantine because of COVID. Nora? My goodness, Carter Evans, thank you. Well, tonight it is nearly impossible to get an abortion in Texas. The most restrictive abortion law in the country went into effect after the U.S. Supreme Court declined to act on a request to block it. CBS's Ben Tracy on what makes this Texas law different from others. Abortion rights advocates protested outside the Texas state capitol today as clinics began turning away patients. Abortion providers say Texas has essentially outlawed 85% of abortion procedures, which will force many clinics to close. Amy Hagstrom-Miller runs four clinics providing abortion services and is one of the plaintiffs asking the Supreme Court to intervene. It's heartbreaking to deny them the care that our staff are fully trained um, and, and ready to provide. So really, most people are going to be forced to carry a pregnancy against their will. The law, signed by Republican Governor Greg Abbott, bans abortion once a so-called fetal heartbeat is detected, usually around six weeks. That's before many women even realize they are pregnant. The law appears to contradict the Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade, which guarantees the right to abortion until fetal viability, about 22 weeks. It is also highly unusual because it bars state officials from enforcing the law but instead allows private citizens to sue doctors, clinic staff, and those helping women get abortions. Anyone who wins a lawsuit is entitled to $10,000. Anti-abortion advocates say even a person driving someone to a clinic should be held responsible. If he knows and he's taking her there fully aware you know, that this is illegal to do, uh, then, yeah, I think he should be held accountable. This is very much like an accomplice in, in other types of crimes. Now, this fall, the U.S. Supreme Court will review Mississippi's ban on abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Conservatives now have a 6-3 majority on the court, and Nora, that case could overturn Roe v. Wade, which established that right to abortion back in 1973. The legal battle heating up. Ben Tracy, thank you. Well, tonight, the desperate search continues for five crew members of a U.S. Navy helicopter that crashed into the Pacific Tuesday afternoon, 60 miles off San Diego. One crew member was rescued. The chopper had been aboard the USS Abraham Lincoln. There is no word on the cause. All right, now this. Late today, a federal bankruptcy judge gave conditional approval to a multi-billion dollar plan to settle lawsuits against Purdue Pharma the maker of OxyContin. That company is blamed for helping cause the opioid crisis. Tonight, its owners said they are sorry for the suffering and loss. CBS's Anna Werner gets reaction on the settlement. The opioid epidemic killed over 500,000 Americans and drove the makers of OxyContin into bankruptcy. 
Under the plan approved today, the Sackler family will forfeit ownership of Purdue Pharma, turn over 30 million documents, and pay $4.5 billion. In return, the Sacklers cannot be sued. A majority of states accepted the plan, but others plan to appeal. Connecticut Attorney General William Tong. The bankruptcy laws should not allow the rich and the powerful like the Sacklers to avoid liability for their misconduct when they're not bankrupt. I think it's terrible. The settlement outrages Tony LaGreca of Massachusetts. He blames the Sackler family for his 41-year-old son's death. They are mass murderers. Well, how many drug dealers killed 500,000 people? Matthew LaGreca got hooked on OxyContin after a football injury at age 22. A 20-year opioid addiction ended in a methadone overdose in 2014. And when his birthday comes, it's like, it's like getting stabbed every time. Under the agreement, families like his would get payments ranging from $3,500 to $48,000. Tonight, Purdue Pharma said the plan is fair and in the public interest. Sackler family members said while they dispute allegations about their family, we are truly sorry for the suffering and loss people have experienced. It says to me they could care less. That your death should have never happened. And I'm sorry I didn't do what I could do, but I can do what I can do now. Anna Werner, CBS News, Duxbury, Massachusetts. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, Trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Tonight, three current and former Colorado police officers and two paramedics have been hit with a 32-count indictment in the death of Elijah McClain. He died after being placed in a chokehold and injected with a powerful sedative. CBS's Nikki Batiste reports. Stop. I have a right to stop you because you're being suspicious. It was this encounter with three Aurora police officers and two paramedics that prosecutors said today caused the death of Elijah McLean two years ago. Each of the five defendants face one count of manslaughter and one count of criminally negligent homicide. Police rushed to the scene after a 911 caller said a man walking down the street looked suspicious. That led police and paramedics to the unarmed 23-year-old who had not committed a crime. I am an introvert. Please respect the boundaries that I am speaking. I'm going home. Relax or I'm going to have to change this situation. They tackled McLean to the ground and put him in a chokehold. Breathe directly. The family accuses the officers of using excessive force and torture, and the paramedics injected McLean with a massive ketamine overdose, which overwhelmed Elijah's body. He could not recover. McLean died six days later in a hospital. Our goal is to seek justice for Elijah McLean. McLean's mother says she was shocked and overwhelmed by the indictments today. I want all of his murderers and their accomplices and allies prosecuted. I want his murderers in jail. What do you hope Elijah's legacy will be? Our humanity, um, the way we treat each other, the way we treat other people, regardless of our skin colors. Now her life's mission is to get justice for her son. Nikki Batiste, CBS News, New York. 
When the Pittsburgh Pirates took the field 50 years ago tonight, no one knew that the players, including future Hall of Famers Roberto Clemente and Willie Stargell, were stepping into history. Here's CBS's James Brown. Dave Cash, Manny Sanguillan, and Al Oliver all had stellar baseball careers playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But one game they played 50 years ago made history. There's so many people out there that have no clue that this day happened. On September 1st, 1971, the Pirates' starting lineup in the field was all African-American and Afro-Latino players. The first time ever for Major League Baseball. You guys didn't realize at the start of the game, 1971, that nine dark-skinned folks were going out on the field at the same time? In the second or third inning is when I realized it. I didn't realize it when we were standing there because I'm thinking about the game. Manager Danny Murtaugh later explained his lineup decision to catcher San Guillen. I did it because I want to win. I don't care who I put in the field. No photos exist of that winning game. A local newspaper dubbed them the all-soul lineup, but the team wasn't always welcome. We were called everything but a child of God from the stands. And just weeks later, they won the World Series. Are you guys of the feeling that maybe this should be recognized as meaningfully as Jackie breaking in in 1947? Jackie Robinson, deserving. But this 1971 team should be right behind him. Faith and hard work, plus a colorblind decision, proved to be a winning strategy. The best quote that I've heard, we just decided to give the white players a day off. (laughs) James Brown, CBS News, Pittsburgh. Tomorrow, coming together after Hurricane Ida, New Orleans style, we visit a bar that feeds everyone who stops by. And if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official T-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.